Flourish Church podcast, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, dedicated to helping you flourish in your faith. For more information about our mission and how you can get involved, please visit www.youflourishchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to You Flourish Church. Uh, my name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors of You Flourish Church and uh, excited to see so many uh, wonderful faces in, in the building on this morning. Uh, I was thinking back, there was a, a, a moment in time when uh, Didi and I was having dinner with another couple and the infamous question came up. Didi was asked, okay, so how did you and Kurt meet? And, uh, and they go, she goes on to say, well, what's your, what's your love story? And, and so uh, I, I remember uh, the wife out of the couple, she began to lean forward with her hands on her face, anticipating on hearing an amazing love story. And Dee Dee and I, we just looked at each other and we just started laughing. Uh, 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 and, 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 and they seemed a bit dismayed by our laughter, so I just jumped in and I answered the question. I'm like, well, Dee Dee and I, we met in a nightclub. I was a college dropout dope dealer with two kids looking for nothing more than a good time, and Dee Dee was a high school dropout with two kids looking for more, nothing more than a dope dealer to rob. Long story short, we started passing time with one another. Neither one of us wanted anything serious with the other, but somehow we ended up moving in together. And we would embark on one of the most toxic relationships a couple could ever have. However, we couldn't seem to stay away from one another. Uh, the funny thing about that is that I'd always told myself that when I gave my life to Christ that I'd get rid of Dee Dee and I would marry me a good Christian girl. You know, I was a pastor kid, not, not knew one day that I would be called to, to ministry. And not just at that point, I didn't believe that Dee Dee would go, well, she was going to cut it as a preacher's wife. Uh, so after seven years of dating, we break up. I moved to Jackson, Mississippi, and, and I received Christ. Dee Dee, she moves to Phoenix, Arizona, and she gives her life to Christ. After being apart for a year, we reconnect and we get married. And though we took a step in the right direction, our tumultuous journey would continue into the first few years of our marriage because we failed to conclude that Jesus would be Lord of our marriage. Now, point is, what we concluded defined everything it is that we stood for. In similar fashion, the way in which Paul concludes the book of Romans defines everything that he stood for. And what we're going to find, three points in the passage today of what Paul concludes. And one, we find that Paul concludes with an appeal to be on watch. Uh, Paul, he concludes with a promise that, that Satan will be wrecked. And the third point is Paul concludes with a message pointing to the prophetic writings. And we're going to begin by unpacking uh, that first point. Paul concludes with an appeal to be on watch. And uh, we're going to begin in uh, verse 17, but before we go there, maybe we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, you are good. We love you, and we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, your love, and your kindness. God, we pray above all that you would speak. And God, we pray that you will anoint our ears to hear everything it is that you speak. And God, we pray that you will anoint our hearts to apply everything it is that you speak. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Before we go to verse 17, I, 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 I want to bring, because we believe in expositional preaching here at, at Flourish, which means that we don't skip any verses. But verses 1 through 16, we skipped. I want you to go home and read it because it's a whole bunch of greetings to a whole bunch of people and... You'll see what I mean when you read it. So today we're starting out at, at verse 17, and, and it reads, uh, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. If you're following along, I want to bring to your attention in verse 17. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary uh, to the doctrine. Here, what we find is Paul, he shifts the conversation from, from greetings uh, to, to words of encouragement. And, and, and you can feel a tone of seriousness, seriousness as, as he begins verse 17 with the words, I appeal to you. In another uh, translation, it says that, that I urge you. And, and, and in other words, Paul, he emphatically pleads, I want, to give, I want you to give deep consideration to what I'm about to say. Uh, and in verse 17, he says, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. And he goes on to say, like, avoid them. And, and so, so here's the thing, Paul, he's, he's making it very clear to the church in Rome of what it is that he wants them to be on watch. So one, he tells them, I appeal to you, I want you to be on watch for something that's going to be coming your way. It may have already came your way. Uh, and th there's a couple of things that's going on here. One is an appeal to be on watch. And the second thing that he points out is what it is to be on watch for. He says to watch out for those who are divisive and those who create obstacles contrary to the gospel. So there's a couple of things that he throws out there. In other words, he's like, don't be sucked in by those who make major things the main thing. And, 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 and let me say this because we even we, we can see that even in our context today. There are some things that may be major, but it ain't the main thing. Uh, think about some of the things in, in, in our own context and what has divided the church over the last four or five years, whether it's been politics, whether it's been social issues. May have been some major things, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is kingdom. And when we begin to start allowing ourselves to get caught up in what the world wants us to listen to, until the way the world wants to drive us. And Paul is telling the church, don't get caught up in this. Might be some people right in your own community, but he says, watch out for those who he says, what? Who causes divisions? How do they cause divisions? Well, they're not just coming in and saying, like, I don't, I don't want you to serve Jesus. No, they bring major issues and they make those major issues appear like these are issues of God. And, 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 and so, 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 so here's the thing, uh, uh, you, you know, we, we really got to be careful to some of the things that we listen to because like we, we'll get most of our information from, from, from talk shows and we'll let the talk shows 
stir us up. And all of a sudden, the talk shows all of a sudden begin to start sounding like things of Christianity. But it's very, very important that we hold on to the word of God and don't, we don't allow anything to begin to start driving us away from the word of God. This is why I say it's so important that we understand and that we know the word of God for ourselves. Uh, like I, Pastor Ronaldo and I, we may, we may guide you to the passage, but our expectation, and we may preach it, but our expectation is that you read it. Our expectation is that when you leave here, that you go home and that you read what we preached about just to ensure that we're not dividing you from the purpose of the kingdom. So it's the purpose of the kingdom of, of what it is that we stand for, and it's the purpose of the kingdom of, 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 for any amount of Christianity is what it is that we stand for. And so, uh, uh, so, so Paul, he, he, he's warning, he says, I want you to be on watch. Like, I, 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 I want you to be cognizant that there's going to be some things that's coming up in the church that's going to cause the church to be divided. And this is not the concept that Jesus had when he decided that he would come off his throne and die for the sins of the world. It, it, it was to be so that we would be one. But we know that the enemy does everything that he can to make sure that we're not one, that if he can make us two, that's, that's greater. If he can make us three, that's even better. And, and if he can continue to divide, and you, you know, I shared a few weeks ago, it's like there's over 33,000 different Christian denominations in the world today because Satan does a really, really, really good job of finding somebody that he can enter into to drive to begin to start dividing the body. And when we begin to recognize how powerful and how much authority we would have if we walk together as opposed to being divided. And, 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 and so, so Paul is saying, he, he, you know, he, he really wanted us to stand on watch. Let us consider as we stand on watch that different does not equate to division. Now, there's going to be some people that have different opinions than you. There's going to be some people to have uh, different perceptions. There's going to be some people who think that you should worship in a different way than you think you should worship. There's going to be some people who think the main thing is something different than you think the main thing. But let me just assure you that being different does not necessarily equate to division. The enemy does everything that he can to make us believe that this is the case. And, 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 and Paul, is, as he's talking to this Roman church, he, he wants them to understand because there's some things that's, that's transpiring in their church. This is a church made up of Gentiles and Jews. There's some cultural dynamics that's different than the other. But Paul is saying, I want you to be on watch for those that's going to rise up and it's going to point out the differences and try to convince you that the differences are a reason for us to be divided. We've got to understand that as God's people, the thing that brings us together, the thing that holds us together is not our opinions. The things that holds us together is not our ideas. The things that holds us together is, is, is not, not our preferences. The thing that holds us together is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
And when we all decide that we're going to surrender ourselves and we're going to fall up under his lordship, we don't have to worry about our differences anymore. Because it's one thing that brings us all together and it's his lordship. It's his lordship. Are we willing to allow ourselves to fall up under his lordship? As I mentioned about, about our marriage, Didi and I are different as, 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 as a right shoe and a left shoe. If I say the sky is purple, she's going to say it's green. We love each other, but boy, are we different. And it took us a long time to figure out until we submit ourselves to Christ as our Lord, we don't find oneness. It was, it was very difficult to find oneness because, uh, you know, I, she likes it hot. I like to feel air. Like, we can't even argue how to like, we ha I have to go to a different bedroom sometimes because, like, the, the temperature's different. But the thing that makes us work, the thing that makes different work is that we allow the same Lord to rule our lives. When the same Lord is ruling our lives, it don't matter what you like, what you think, or what your preferences are. Our, our, our focus is to fulfill the will of our Father. When our focus becomes fulfilling the will of our Father, all of a sudden we're moving in the same direction. We're no longer moving in opposite directions because, ladies and gentlemen, let's face it, we're all different. God has created us different to do different things, to feel different things. But the one thing that we have in common, if we allow ourselves to fall up under his leadership, is he is our Lord. And when you recognize that Jesus is Lord, we will not allow anybody to come in and begin to start sowing seeds of discord, seeds of, of, of division. And, and so subsequently, Paul says that when, when people like this are identified, that they sows these seeds of division, like conservative talk shows, like liberal talk shows, like if that's where you get your information to and you bring it into the church, Church ain't going to stand. The church is going to be divided. Because guess what? Conservative and liberal is two separate things. I don't get it. Conservative Christianity versus liberal Christianity. Why can't it just be Christianity? What's, what's up with the uh, adjectives? <laughs> like, Jesus never spoke about a conservative Christianity versus a liberal Christianity. He spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Like, uh, the only thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees actually agreed on was like, we gonna kill them. This is what I feel about conservative Christianity and liberal Christianity. The only thing that they agree on is killing Jesus. Nah, I just, I know I just probably offended everybody, but I'm an equal opportunist preacher. Uh, and, 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 and I know we're in election season and all that stuff. So, I, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to rub anybody the wrong way. I'm just saying that Jesus is Lord. When we mix it up, when we start mixing all this other stuff in with Jesus, like it turns into a monster. We've created a monster out of the church. It's no wonder that the world no longer wants to deal with the church because we've created a monster. 
But when we allow him to be Lord, when we allow him to be who he is in our lives, in our marriages, in our work relationships, in our parenting, when we allow him to be Lord, I'm here to tell you, things begin to look different. The things that you thought was division all of a sudden begins to look like kingdom. Like I submit myself, I turn my preferences off because I want God to be glorified. Essentially, Paul, he he says, I want you to avoid these people and here's why. In verse 18, he says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. We we, we can look at it in, in Paul's context we can look at it in today's context. In Paul's context, there was a group of people, again, looking to serve their own appetites. Some of their own appetites was their traditions. We want to make sure that our traditions are upheld. And if anybody is going to be a part of the kingdom, then they must fulfill the traditions. If they don't fulfill the traditions, then it's no way they could be a part of the kingdom. Now, all of a sudden, that begins to start sounding good to some people. And if you look at it in our context today, there's some, there's some things, again, that are major, but it's not the main thing. Regardless of where you stand on abortion, it's a major issue. It ain't the main thing. We've got some issues in society that we look at and we can say, well, why don't the preachers cover the issues? Why don't they talk about this? But I'm, I'm just here to tell you, I always tell people, like, I've been called to preach the gospel. I don't read the paper and decide what I'm going to preach on. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't sacrifice my life and submit my life to his lordship to preach what's in the newspaper. Like, you don't need me for that. Like, uh, uh, but, but I'm called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it begins to, to start slaying all of our cultural issues and the things that, that we hold up high and the things that we hold in high regard, the things that we associate with Christianity. Let me tell you, we're just a small part of the world. The United States of America is a small part of the world. And we look at Jesus based off of our Western identity. We look at Jesus based off our Western culture and we think this is the way that everybody must come to Jesus. Well, how are they coming to Jesus in Africa? How are they coming to Jesus in China? How are they, well, speaking of China, you can't even worship in open. So I can assure you the way they view Christianity in China is much differently than the way that we do. We can wake up on Sunday morning and decide what church we want to go to if we want to go to church. We don't have to hide and sneak. We can come in late. Like we can do what we want to do. It's optional. It's, uh, I mean, but, but there's some people in China who sacrifice their lives just to come into fellowship. And so I'm just, I'm just saying that, that the way we look at Christianity don't get ourselves in this narrow mindset that our culture informs our Christianity. Actually, your culture kills your Christianity. And if you ain't willing to die to your culture and your cultural preferences, you ain't ready for the Lordship of Jesus. We talk about Jesus around here a whole lot. We, 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 oh, do we love Jesus. We love Jesus so much. We want to we, we, we follow after him like he laid down his life. 
We want to lay down our lives and let Jesus live. Let Jesus live. And so, it's, and, and so essentially, Paul is saying they're serving their own appetites. He says they don't serve the Lord, they serve in their own appetites. Essentially, Paul is decrying those on mission to satisfy their own appetites. Let me tell you that this is anti-servants of Christ. When you serve in your own appetites, you can't serve your own appetite and serve Jesus at the same time. Some people probably think they can do both. But you cannot serve your own appetite in Jesus at the same time. And why do I say that? It's because the appetite of Jesus was not his own. It was God's. And he is our example. In John 4 and 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is my food. Like, I mean, he could have been focused, like, I got bills to pay. Uh, what's the next car that's coming out? Like, uh, I got to create a college fund for my children. I, I, I mean, he could have thought about all of that. But instead, he came focused. He says, my will is the Father's will. What does it look like when your will and your will and your will becomes the Father's will? I believe that we can make some dents and we can make some damage in our city for the kingdom of Christ. When I say damage, I'm talking about damaging the kingdom of hell. Subsequently, in the second part of verse 18, Paul says, they deceive people by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. Now, interestingly, none of the readers of this passage may consider themselves as the naive and therefore might fall to fail to be on watch for those who deceive with smooth talk and flattery. Now, granted, I, I, I'm guilty of this myself because I read this. When I initially read this, I'm like, man, the naive. You're talking about somebody else. Because none of us would consider ourselves to be naive. But God began to challenge me about some of the things that I've been naive about according to his word for many, many years about being naive about my relationship with him, uh, I, I mean, for, for years. And, and, and so it's, it's really important that we begin to, to understand that, that, that naivety is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing when you begin to embrace it and be cognizant of it because that means God can do something with you. But when you hear, because he said that they're not going to be talking like crazy talk. They're not going to be talking talk that, 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 that you would run away from. It's going to sound good. He said smooth talk. And flattery they deceive the naive. Uh, because it sounds good. That's why I'm always very careful about when everybody else is doing it, when everybody else is saying it, I, I tend to run the other way. I just, I just, do, I just do that. Period, because like I, I, I just, I'm a firm believer that narrow is the way and wide is the way to destruction. And so when I see everybody else doing it, I just tell myself it must be wrong. I could be, I could be wrong, I, but that's just my practice. That's just my practice because if everybody doing it, and I know that wide is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to life, then I, I, I just put things on poles a little bit and like, Lord, deal with me on this. I see everybody doing it, but don't mean that like I'm, I'm jumping that way. And, 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 and so, small, I mean, the smooth talking flattery can make one's personal appetite look like God's appetite. 
And this is, I think this is the problem that comes into our society because we think that we got to fight for God. Like, you don't have to fight for God. All you got to do is just submit your life to him and he'll do the rest. You can't fight for an all-powerful, all-authoritative God. You can't make people uh, uh, honor God and respect God. Like, we can't do that. Who do you think? Who do we think we are? And we think we got to fight for God. We've been ready to box for him. Uh, like, we, uh, I mean, we, wanna, we hate people for him. All in the name of God. But again, he said these people that deceive, they deceive with you with, with smooth talk and flattery. And they will pump you up and make you think that we got to fight for God. Like, all of the evil that's going in the world, we got to fight for God. No, we've got to be a living example. Jesus didn't come. He didn't come boxing. He he came submissive. And and, and so so this is where Paul is at. He said, we got to be very careful that the smooth talk and the the flattery does not get us to the point where we start associating that with God's appetite. Paul is concerned that their spiritual growth could be hampered through the hands of deception. So in verse 19, he just simply says, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and evil. So Paul is like, I appreciate your obedience. It's known to all, but he goes on to say, I want you to be wise. I want you to recognize the enemy. I I want you to recognize the tricks of the enemy because it's not going to come pronounced. It's going to come through smooth talk and it's going to come through flattery. It's going to come through your cultural preferences and all those things. He said, I want you to be wise uh, to what is good. I want you to be wise to what is innocent. But he also says, I want you to be wise to what is evil. Because we will assume evil is the things that goes against our cultural preferences. And so if this wasn't an issue, Paul wouldn't throw it up. And so the second thing that Paul concludes is Paul concludes with a promise that Satan will be wrecked. Look at what it says in verse 20. Pick it up in verse 20. It says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do uh, Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Quartus, greets you. If you're following along in verse 20, I'm going to have you highlight, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Yes. Uh, so, So here, after carefully warning the Roman church to be on watch, For smooth talkers who deceive, he makes it known how this situation will end. uh, In verse 20, he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So, so, and we get excited about this, but let me say this. Verse 20 is not a blanket statement for everybody. Paul, he's speaking to the Roman church. This principle, it might apply, but only in context. And what do I mean by that? Because Paul's statement in verse 20, it can't be divorced from what he said in verse 19 when he speaks to their obedience. 
He says, your obedience have been known to all. He follows up in verse 20 saying, soon God is going to crush Satan under obedient folks' feet. <laughs> Not everybody. So I know we read that because, uh, you know, there, there was times, you know, we, you know, we, 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 we love verses. I, I mean, I, I, when I grew up in a church, like, uh, you know, we would go to verses and get excited. Like, man, God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And we divorce it from verse 19. He talking to folks that's walking in obedience. And, 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 and so it's something that we can still get excited about if we're walking in obedience. But if we're walking in disobedience, don't, 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 don't get too excited. Let's start working on that, that obedience part. Uh, but, but, but he goes on. In other words, Paul is telling a group of people who are walking in obedience that Satan will soon be crushed. Subsequently, if this is the principle, it would mean that obedience to Christ is the key to wrecking Satan in your life. You want to eliminate Satan out of your life? You want to wreck Satan's cause in your life? Start walking in obedience. Like, like that's like if I could give you two pills, I like take two of these, two pills of obedience, and you destroy Satan in your life. He has like Satan. Ha- he has no. He has. He, he has no authority in your life. Uh. uh and, 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 and so. Obedience will move us from being on the defensive to being on the offensive. You know, we'll find ourselves like, and I've heard people say, I mean, there's people who read books on demonology. There's people who study demons and we got to understand that demons is real. And, they, and I've heard all of this. I've heard some of this stuff in the church. And while all of that may be true, I just feel like Satan ought to be reading some books on me. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. As I submit my life, as I decrease, as Kirk decreases, guess who increases? Christ increases in me. So I don't have to read a book on demonology. Who cares? All I know is that the Jesus that lives in me is greater. And, 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 and so here, here's the thing. So we don't have to be on the defensive. Oh, Satan is on attack right now. He's he really acting up right now. No. We destroy Satan simply through walking in obedience. Because as we walk in obedience, it's Christ that lives through us. It's no longer me who lives through me, but it's Christ who lives through me. In other words, it's as if Paul is saying, because he finishes up in the second part of verse 20, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. In other words, it's as if he's saying, until Satan is crushed under your feet, Grace will be sufficient. I want you to understand. Uh, like, like Satan, soon Satan will be crushed under the obedience feet, but he's, until that time come, grace will be sufficient. That's why they call it amazing grace. Uh, in, in verse 21, Paul begins to close out this section with more greetings from others in the ministry with him and what he says in verse 21 uh, he says Timothy he mentions Timothy my fellow worker he said greets you so do Lucius and Jason and Sisypater my kinsmen he goes on in verse 22 because all of a sudden things get interesting and I gotta point this out because someone other than Paul is physically writing this letter in verse 21 he says I Tertius who wrote this letter I almost throw you for a loop but, but here's the thing uh, uh 
many will see Tertius as a scribe who is actually penning the letter on Paul's behalf. Paul is speaking, Tertius is writing. Uh, uh, but he greets, he speaks out as, as, as he's writing. And in verse 23, uh, Paul, he closes out the section with more greetings. And I want to uh, go on to our next point, our final point, where Paul concludes with a message pointing to the prophetic writings. And we find it in Romans uh, 16, beginning in the 25th verse. Look at what it says. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of, my, of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're following along, I want to bring to your attention in verse 25, we're going to highlight the mystery that has been kept secret has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. Uh, so, so here we arrive to the final few sentences of Paul's letter to the Roman church where he offers some encouragement in verse 25 when he says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. And again, this is another one that we can get excited about because he takes the attention off of self and he puts the attention on the one who can. He says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. In the second part of verse 25, Paul says, the strengthening of God is according to my gospel and the preachings of Jesus. So he begins to speak to the very thing that he had been speaking throughout his entire message, essentially what he's letting them know is like, I'm not giving you some new information. What I'm telling you is what I've been telling you all along. What I'm telling you is it goes right in line with the preaching of Christ. And so he says, according to the gospel that I preach and the preaching of Jesus, other words, the gospel he preached, it went beyond salvation. But pointed to strength during times of weakness. So I want you to understand that I love salvation. I love the fact that, that I can receive him as my Lord and Savior. But Paul, he's also pointing to something that goes beyond salvation. Not only can you use him as your ticket to get into the kingdom, he says he's your strength in the midst of weaknesses. And those times will come. And, and while he proclaims God's strength, according to the preaching of Jesus, he also says according to the revelation. And this, this is good because he closes out verse 25 saying it was according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. And so again, he's speaking to something that they would have been, uh, that they would have known because there were many before them that did not know, did not experience, did not see the mystery revealed, but the mystery had been revealed to them. And, and, and in verse 26, he says, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been known to all nations. And so he's speaking to the word that had been written. He's, he's speaking to something, again, that they would have already known. So he's not making just a blanket statement about himself, but he's pointing them back to something that they would have already known. And for the third time, in the second part of verse 26, he says, according to. 
saying according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. There's that obedience again. He says the commander, he says according to everything that I've said, it's according to, he, think about this, he says now to him who is able to strengthen you according to, it says, according to the command of God. And, and, and so he speaks to bring about this obedience of, of faith. In verse 27, he, 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 he goes on to say, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And let me say this. It may appear as if this is a standalone statement, but it's actually a continuation of verse 25. If you put verse 25 and some of 25 and 27 together, uh, what, what you'll find is now to him, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. I want you to understand, he says a whole lot in between, but when you put those two together, this is the main point that he concludes. Now to him, the only wise God be glory through Jesus Christ. Now when we take our lives and we allow that to happen, when we allow that to flow, I'm here to tell you that we begin to impact the spaces and the places that we occupy because when God gets glory through Jesus Christ in our lives, wayward children begin to come back into the fold. I'm here to tell you that, that when we allow God to have the glory through Jesus Christ, broken marriages begin to come back together. When God begins to get the glory through Jesus Christ, every broken heart begins to be settled. I'm here to tell you there's something to be said about letting God have the glory through Jesus Christ in my life. Can he have it in your life? And if you haven't taken that step today to allow him to be Lord and Savior of your life. We accept him as Savior. But how many will be willing to accept him as Lord today? You can be Lord of my marriage. You can be Lord of my parenting. You can be Lord of my relationships. You can be Lord of my finances. You can be Lord of my pride. You can be Lord of my anger. You can be Lord God, everything that separates me from you. I'll submit my life to you, God. I'll lay it down so you can live and you can be glorified through Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We thank you right now for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness, God. There's none above you in all the earth, God. God, I pray right now, God, if there's somebody here who don't know you, that they have the opportunity to take that first step to get to know you, God, as you said in your word, that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart God has raised Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved. Let salvation reign today, God. And God, for those that have received salvation but have not received you as Lord, God, I ask that you speak to hearts today, God, that we may know that you deserve to be glorified through our lives, day in and day out, God, have your way. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. We've had the opportunity to worship God in song. We've had the opportunity to worship him through the word. And, and if you're here today, there's something that you heard in the word today and 
uh, your heart's been pricked or you want to give your life to Christ, we got the prayer team here today. We got Laura and Dee Dee out at the side. Uh, we're going to go to a time of giving. And as you come up, uh, if you feel your heart pricked and you want prayer, we want to pray with you today. We ask that you just uh, go out the side door with both Laura and Dee Dee. And so, again, we're going to go into a, a moment of giving uh, here at Youth Church. We got three ways that you can give. One, you can text uh, the dollar amount you wish to give uh, to 84321. Uh, the second way that you can give is uh, on our website, on the back of that Plug Me In card, you'll find a QR code that'll take you directly to our website, and you can give there. The third way that you can give is here in person, and in just a moment, we're going to invite you all up. Um, if you're giving in uh, means beyond in person, feel free to walk right past the offering ba basket. If you're not at a place where you want to give at all, like we, no pressure whatsoever here at Euflores Church. Again, we invite you to walk right past the offering basket. Um, and so, in just a moment, I'm, I'm going to call our ushers up, and we're going to put you in the auspice of our ushers as we now uh, put our hearts and our minds ready uh, to give. Hallelujah. 